So I want to thank you so much for your time, and God bless you all. They are true heroes, aren't they? So we appreciate what you all do. It's, it's, it's a great blessing. All right. Let's go to John, the seventh chapter, and the 53rd verse. John, the seventh chapter, and the 53rd verse. I want to uh, talk to you today about uh, prayer. And I want to talk about prayer lessons from Jesus. Prayer lessons from Jesus. You know, He's the Lord, the Savior, the Master, the second member of the Trinity. And, uh, of course, He, born of a virgin, became 100% man, though He never ceased being 100% God, but He operated in this earth as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. And uh, He is our example and we can learn and be inspired from his prayer life. And, um, and so I think you'll find this interesting. Notice here in John 7.53, the Bible says, And everyone went to his own house. And then we go right into chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This, uh, these two verses back to back have always really impressed me and uh, have stood out to me. Everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, whenever you see Jesus going to the Mount of Olives or pulling away into a desert place, something like that, you can know that he's going out there to pray. And so when everyone else was going to their own house, Jesus was going to pray. And you'll see that the reason everybody else didn't have power and Jesus did, it wasn't because he was the Son of God, though he was the Son of God. It was because he prayed. Did you get that? He prayed. See, too often times we look at Jesus and we think, well, he did all those miracles and everything because he was the Son of God. No, he didn't do one thing in the earth as the Son of God, though he was the Son of God. He didn't operate as God. He operated as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost. Did, did you get that? Are you okay? Now, he never ceased being God. He's God in the flesh, 100%. But he didn't operate as God. See, when he was born of the virgin, he laid down his expression of deity, not his possession of it. He always was God, but he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the reason he had power in his life is because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, all right, but it was also because he prayed. Jesus had an extensive prayer life he really really did and that's why he was powerful that's why he was able to do everything that he did was because of his prayer life he was hooked into the heavenly father and he flowed with the holy spirit so notice when everyone else was going to their own house what was jesus going to do he was going to pray okay now notice uh if you'll go right here in john 8 we'll pick up in in verse 2 see prayer prepares you for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. So if you're making or taking notes, this is the first thing. Nine lessons. We're going to do nine lessons. Nine things we can learn. Nine points here that we can learn from Jesus' prayer life. First of all, prayer prepares you. Prayer prepares you for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. Let's just read here in verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came. Now, 
where did he come from? He, he came from the Mount of Olives. He came from prayer. It's very clear. And he came to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now the law of Moses, or now Moses in the law, commanded us that, that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now see, that's a difficult situation, isn't it? He's got to answer a difficult question. In verse 6, this they said, testing him. See, they were testing him. Now, where did he just come from? He just came from prayer, didn't he? Prayer prepares you for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. Prayer will prepare you to answer the difficult questions. What do we do? Do we stone her? See, if, if he says don't stone her, he's violating the law of Moses. If he says stoner, he's violating the law of love that he's been teaching. So he's caught between a rock and a hard place. He's given a multiple choice test and A is the wrong answer and B is the wrong answer. But you know what? If you come from prayer and you flow with the Holy Ghost, he'll give you a C, D, A, B, C, D, L, M, N, a P. He'll get you out of it. The Holy Ghost will. But you have to come from prayer. And he came from prayer, and uh, notice, they tested him that they might have something with which to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. What is he doing? I believe he's, he's still in a, in a mode and an attitude of prayer, seeking the Heavenly Father for the answer. How many of you know the Heavenly Father has the answer? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, great, great answer. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So he didn't tell him to stone her or not to stone her, did he? He got out. Isn't that a slick answer? Got him out of a tough situation. Now, you see, we've read that for years, but you have to read it in context. Why was he able to come up with that, that slick answer, that great answer? He just came from a time of what? A prayer. And, and, and even when he's asked the question, he didn't blurt out an answer right away. He still bided some time. He took some time waiting on the Holy Ghost. I think a lot of times we get, we're too quick to answer, answer things, answer questions, answer situations. Let's take a little time. Right? And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it being uh, convicted by their conscience went out one by one, being with the, beginning with the eldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And he said, you know, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more and all of that, which is wonderful. But the point is, did, did he get out of a tough situation? Yeah. And why was that? Because everybody else went to their own house. But where did he go? He went to a time of prayer. So prayer will prepare you for the unexpected difficult situations of life. See, I want to use Jesus' life and ministry to encourage you, to encourage me, to inspire all of us. To pray. What does prayer do? It will prepare you for the unexpected, difficult situations of life. Here's, a, here's another thing. Prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. How many of you want the power of God to be present and experience the extraordinary? I, I, I want that. You'll only get it if you have a prayer life. Prayer, and say, so what is prayer? Did you know prayer is just talking to God? Just talking to God. And, and it's also listening to what He has to say. 
You know, things have been built about prayer that, you know, I've met people over the years, they're just, when you mention prayer, they just shake because they don't think they can do it. Prayer is no different than me talking to my wife or her talking back to me. It's talking with God. Are you okay with that? God is a person. Talk to Him. Talk to Him just like you would to your child or your spouse or your parent, you know. And so prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. Look at Luke 5.15. Luke 5.15. Luke 5, notice here. However, the report went out and around concerning him all the more. And the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. This is Luke 5.15. Now verse 16. So he himself. Now what did he, what did he, he himself often do? Withdrew himself into the wilderness and what? Now, how, 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 what was the frequency? He did it often, didn't he? he? He often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem and noticed the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Why was the power of the Lord present to heal them? Because Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. See that? And then this is a situation, remember, where they they tore the roof off the house and lowered that paralytic man down? And Jesus healed him. Healed that guy, remember that? And then in verse 26, they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things today. Strange means extraordinary, supernatural. How many of you want to see extraordinary, supernatural things? Well, you've got to get the power of God there. How do you get the power of God there? Prayer. We've seen strange things today. That'd be pretty strange to have roof torn off the house, somebody come lowering down, and then they get healed off of a paralytic bed. Right? They're paralyzed, and they come up off that bed. Isn't that wonderful? All because of prayer. Now, here's the third one. That's the second one. Third one, we're not nine things here today. Nine things we can learn from Jesus at prayer. I want this to inspire all of us to pray. Prayer, number three, prepares you to make important decisions. Prayer prepares you to make important decisions. Notice Luke 6.12. Luke 6.12. Now it came to pass in those days that he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain. What did he go out there to do? I mean, to pray. When you really read the Bible and you see, he, Jesus is praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying. A lot of times that gets overlooked, but he's, he's, he, he's at prayer. He went out to the mountain to pray and continued. How long did he continue? All night. All night in prayer to God. That's to his father. And notice verse 13. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Before he chose the 12... He spent all night in prayer. That's a pretty important decision, right? Who's going to be the twelve apostles, the twelve disciples? For he chose them, he spent all night praying. Interesting, isn't it? And then here's something else. Number four. Prayer changes you and prepares you for things to come. 
It, prayer will change you and prepare you for things to come. Look at Luke 9, 28. Luke 9, 28. Luke 9 and 28. Now, it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to what? To pray. And as he, as Jesus prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. And his robe became white and glistening. In this case, prayer changed him, didn't it? This is the, on Mount, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, we call it. Prayer will change you. Now let me say this, and you need to understand this. That Jesus did not have this experience every time he prayed. He, didn't, he wasn't transfigured every time he prayed. And I think that's something else we need to be aware of. Is that when we pray, a, a, a lot of times it seems like nothing happens at all. Now this time something did. They were up on the mountain and he was transfigured. But how many of you know he was only transfigured one time that we're aware of? But yet he prayed he, was not, he didn't have this kind of experience every time. But you can see the power is always with him. Is that right? And I think a lot of times, I, don't, I know I've gone into in prayer and pray and come out and it seems like nothing, ever, like nothing happened. Has anybody ever experienced that besides me? Well, Jesus in his three and a half year ministry, only one time where, where it was this dramatic. But yet you can see the power right there with him all the time, can't you? So what am I saying? Don't be discouraged if you go pray and you, you get done praying and you come out and you feel like you accomplished nothing. No, you accomplished something, all right? The Bible says in the book of James that, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or it makes tremendous power available. So whether you have this kind of a supernatural experience or not, and most of the time you won't, Jesus only had it one time in three and a half years that, that I saw where, where he was transfigured, but yet he, he prayed nonetheless, didn't he? And he, and, he, and he kept that power with him all the way through. So prayer will change you. How many of you know prayer will change you? It, it really, really will. And, uh, and notice something else here that, that a lot of times gets overlooked. But notice here in verse 30. And behold, two men talk with him who were Moses and Elijah. Now watch this. Verse 31. Who, who appeared in glory and spoke. Now what did they speak to Jesus about? Of his what? Of his decease. Of his death, of his upcoming death on the cross. You need to think long and hard about that. Which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Goes up on the mountain to pray. He's transfigured. Moses and Elijah talk with him. And they talked about his upcoming death. God the Father getting him ready for that. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will show us things to come. Right? Is that right? Right? And He'll get you ready. I know He got me ready for my mother's home going. I'd had people come and talk to me over, you know, ten years before she'd passed. They'd come and say, you know, the Lord... Your mom's going to be going soon, and now she lived on a long time after. You know people can miss it. But then God did send somebody about, uh, about a year and a half, two years before she went, and spoke to me about her, her uh, uh, upcoming 
going on to heaven, about two years ahead of us, a year and a half, two years, getting me ready. A, a man of God. God sent, sent one of the foremost men of God in the nation to me, sat, sat in his car, and he talked to me. He brought it up just out of the blue about my mom's getting ready to, to go on. About a year and a half, two years before she went. And then she was going along. She had a little dip, and then she was going along just fine. She came right out of it and was going along just fine. And the word of the Lord came to me about you know, two months before she went. She's doing just fine. Look, doing just fine. He said to me, he's right on the inside, right there. He said, the time of your mother's departure is at hand. See, he'll get you ready. He'll prepare you. Did you hear me? He will. And in, in about two months, he, she, 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 she went on to heaven. It pays to pray. And so, so Jesus goes and he's praying. He has this, this, this supernatural experience. And then, and then they talk to him about his upcoming death on the cross. Is that right? Getting him ready, see. But if he hadn't went and prayed, he wouldn't have, been, he wouldn't have got that information. So no, let's move on. The fifth thing you can learn from Jesus' prayer life is prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. Prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. You know there is a devil out there. There are demons out there. And notice Luke 9, verse 37. Luke 9, verse 37. Now it happened on the next day that when he had come down from the mountain. Now, what was he up there doing? He was up there praying, right? Up there with Peter, James, and John. We just talked about it. Now he comes down from the mountain, from that time of prayer. And a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he's my only child. And behold, a spirit, this is a demon spirit, seizes him. And he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth. This is a serious situation, isn't it? And it departs, uh, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples. I asked your disciples to cast it out. But they could not. One of the saddest things you'll find in the Bible is when the world comes to the church looking for help and the church doesn't have any power in it to help them. Isn't that sad? That's heartbreaking. That's very sad. I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible right there. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. I'll say it again. One of the saddest things you'll find is when the world does turn to the church for help and they can't find the power of God. Sad, isn't it? They couldn't help the boy. They couldn't help him. The disciples. Now, Peter, James, and John was not with them. They were with Jesus. And remember, they came down from the mountain, but the other disciples couldn't cast it out. Jesus helped the guy cast the demon out of the, the son, and he was totally fine. And then if you'll turn to Mark 9, verse 28, we have to go to Mark 9, Mark's account of this to see why. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us, but Mark does. I think Matthew does, but we'll go to Mark's account. Luke doesn't tell us, but, but Matthew and, and Mark tell us. So we'll just go to Mark here, verse 28. And when he had come into the house, now this is right after this situation here. The disciples couldn't cast the demon out, but Jesus did. And verse, uh, Mark 9, 28. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, uh, this kind 
can come out by nothing but what? Prayer and fasting. Of course it was because of their unbelief. I think one of the other uh, uh, accounts says their unbelief, all right. But then this brings out that this kind, this species of demon, and if you ever deal with demonic power at all, you'll realize there's different levels of devils. You understand that. Don't go running with the devil. Don't go looking for the devil. Run with God. Just stay close to him. Don't, don't go looking for the devil. The devil will show up in due season. But stay with the Lord. Run close to the Lord. Stay submitted to God. Then the Bible says, if you're submitted to God, you can resist the devil and he'll what? Flee from you. But this kind, this species, there's all demons aren't the same. Some are more powerful than others. And we could get into all that. We won't talk about it now. But this kind of demon can come out by nothing but what? Prayer and fasting. And there's some argument in the original text whether or not the fasting part should be there. But, but I believe it should after my study of it. But prayer and fasting. Fasting just indicates a dedication. You know, if you're going to be a person of, of prayer, uh, that indicates dedication, doesn't it? Fasting indicates dedication. And I never recommend anybody to go on a fast if you're going to do it apart from prayer. Did you hear what I said? Because it, 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 it just not, not as effective. Uh, fasting apart from prayer is no different than a diet. And, and diet's not going to run any devil off. What's Jesus saying here? This kind of demon can come out by nothing but by what? Prayer and fasting. Prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. You'll have, you'll, you'll have basically no success with the devil if you're not going to be a person of prayer. You'll, you'll, you'll have very little success in running, running sickness and disease off if you're not going to be a person of prayer. Did you hear me? Now, ultimately, it's the name of Jesus that, 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 that the power is in the name of Jesus. We can use the name of Jesus, but I'm just telling you, when the, when the name of Jesus comes out of a mouth of a believer that's spent time with the Father in prayer, I tell you what, it just punches, it just punches things up to like, punches it up to warp nine. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you get what I, what I meant? How many's ever watched Star Trek? You, know, you punch it up to warp nine. I've watched, I've watched believers over the years, people that are safe, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they use the name of Jesus on the devil and the devil just stands there and laughs at them doesn't go anywhere. I've watched believers rebuke sickness and disease and the sickness and disease doesn't 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 go anywhere. And most of the time, not all the time, but almost all the time, you get right down to it and you study into the person's life a little a little bit. They they don't have a prayer life. They're not dedicated. They've not submitted themselves to the Lord. Now, if you'll submit yourself to the Lord, spend time with him and fellowship with him in prayer and be a person of dedication and consecration, and you use the name of Jesus, the devil starts shaking in his boots. Do you hear me? You okay? Prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. Number six, prayer produces compassion. Go to Mark 1, verse 35. Prayer produces compassion. We just got a few more of these, but I want to get them across to you here. Prayer produces compassion. Mark 1, 35. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight... Wow. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, did Jesus get up early? Yeah. And I wonder what he went out to do. He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he what? 
Do you see how much Jesus prays? Wow. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Where did he go? Where did he go? When they found him, they said to him, Excuse me, everyone is looking for you, but he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Well, you can see why he had such success against demonic power. He was a person of prayer. Then a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with what? Now, that compassion, I believe, was produced by prayer. Prayer will produce compassion on the inside of you. You'll have the compassion of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you if you'll pray. Did you hear me? Prayer produces compassion. And Jesus moved with compassion, put out his hand, touched him and said, I'm willing to be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. But prayer produces compassion. Uh, If you're a Christian and your heart's become a little bit hardened towards people, uh, the best thing you can do is just get alone with God and pray. Just talk to Him. Just spend time with Him. And uh, that compassion eventually will well up within you. I tell you what, uh, uh, the Lord can soften hearts. We often talk about, you know, sinners with hard hearts that need to get saved. And that's true, all right. He can soften. How many of you know the uh, Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul? His heart was softened, right? But I've also watched Christians over the many years, their hearts become hardened for various and sundry reasons. And they begin to lose compassion. Compassion for people. If you want to get that back, just ramp up your prayer time. Spend, Spend quality time with God in prayer. And it will produce that compassion. Now then, let's move on. Number seven. We've got nine of these. Aren't you glad I don't have 312 of them? Number seven. I only have nine. Number seven. You learning anything? It's interesting. Number seven. When bad news comes, pray. Look at Matthew 14.10. Matthew 14.10. Now let's notice here. So he, this is talking about Herod here, sent and had John, John the Baptist, beheaded in prison. Now, that's bad bad news, isn't it? John the Baptist has been beheaded. Is that bad news? That's bad news. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. That's Salome and Herodias, right? Bad people. But you know Jesus loves them too, doesn't he? Remember the situation with John, how his head got cut off? Remember that? Then his disciples came and took away John's body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So bad news comes to Jesus. Has anybody ever gotten bad news besides me? What are we going to do when bad news comes? Pray. Notice what Jesus did. When Jesus heard it, when he heard the bad news, John was very special to Jesus. And you know Jesus is no respecter of persons. He loves everybody equally. But John was his forerunner. And I think first cousin to boot. Is that right? And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. What do you think he was doing out there by himself? 
And I think we can conclude that. The Bible doesn't specifically say it, but I think we can conclude that. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with what? Compassion. Where do you think that compassion came from? From prayer. We already noted that. But when he heard that bad news, he went out, he got off by himself, and I don't think there's any question about it, he prayed. And then verse 14 says he healed their sick. So, so when, when bad news comes, what do you do? Pray. Pray. And it will also produce compassion. Number eight, in prayer is where we surrender to God's will and resist the temptation to sin. It's in prayer. That's where we surrender to God's will and resist the temptation to sin. You do not surrender to the will of God when you're posed. Like, in other words, have you ever come to a fork in the road? What do Yogi Berra say when you come to a fork in the road? Take it. Now, there's a little humor. You didn't get it, obviously, but that's fine. But... Has anybody ever come to a fork in the road besides me? And which way do we go? Which, which is the will of God? Which is the will of God? Which way do we go? Which way do we go? If you wait until you get to the fork of the road to decide which way you're going to go, you're going to probably make the wrong decision. You should, make, you should settle that long before you ever get to the fork in the prayer closet. Because God will let you know the fork is coming up. Won't the Holy Ghost show you things to come? If a fork in the road ever catches you by surprise, you've probably slipped up in prayer somewhere. You should know that fork's coming before you get there. But nonetheless, if you're waiting until you get to the fork in the road, which way do I go? Uh, if, if you get there to that fork, uh, that, that decision should already have been made before you get to the fork. Where? In the prayer closet. Uh, here's, and then we'll, we'll see this also. Has anybody ever been tempted to sin since you've been saved besides me? Okay. If you wait until that temptation is sitting out in front of you to resist it, you're going to give in to it most of the time. Do you get what I just said? See, most Christians wait. They wonder why they can't get victory over whatever it is. I got victory over overeating. John complimented me today. He said, I look like I've lost more weight. Thank you. You know where I got victory over overeating? In the prayer closet. I tried for years to get victory over it when I sat down to eat. And, and sometimes willpower kept me from overeating, but willpower will only take you so far. And then I wound up, you know, I'd find myself at the White Castle or I'd find myself at the Burger King or, the, or, or McDonald's. Sometimes I'd find myself at all three of them, you know, going one, one, just right in succession. You'll not be able to overcome sin when you're faced with the temptation. You have to beat the temptation before it ever arises. You beat it in the prayer closet. Did you get what I just said? Did you or not? Now that was worth coming just to get that right there. Did you hear me? See, if you wait until you're tempted, if you wait until that temptation is right out in front of you, you're going to give in to it probably most of the time. You have to beat the thing in the prayer closet before it ever comes up. You've got to submit yourself to the will of God in the prayer closet before it ever faces you. Let me, let's look at what Jesus did here. Luke 22, verse 39. 
Luke 22, verse 39, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. What do you think he's doing out there at the mountain? Praying. And his disciples followed him. And when he had come to the place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray before it, but pray, pray before the temptation comes up. And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What is he doing there in prayer? He's submitting his will to the will of his Father. He's doing it in prayer. He's getting it because, you see, you've got to realize the cross is just right out in front of him. Did you hear me? The cross is just right out in front of him. How many of you know he could have called legions of angels and he could have stopped that whole deal? Is that right? He could have. He said he could have. Right? Did he have to go to the cross? I mean, he could have, he could have, he could have stopped the whole thing. Is that right? How many, how many of you glad he didn't? Because if he had stopped the whole thing, then you and me is going to hell. And I, I'm glad Jesus prayed. How about you? His prayer life, along with many other things we could say, saved us from hell. Isn't that wonderful? But where did he submit his will to the will of the Father? Was it, was, it, was, it, was it at the whipping post when they were whipping him? No. He submitted long before that in prayer. Do you see that? All along. All along. Moses and Elijah getting him ready for it. Is that You see it all along. Is that right? And so he kneels down and he prays. He said, Father, verse 42, if it's your will, take it away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became, now watch this, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, as time's getting away from me here, so we, you can just mark it. We won't, go, we won't look it up. Maybe, maybe they can throw it up on the screen real quick. Hebrews 12:4. Hebrews 12.4 says that Jesus resisted the bloodshed. He's there praying. What's, what's fallen off of his brow of his head? And, and Hebrews 12.4 says that, that he was resisting. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed. He did. We haven't. But he did. What was he doing out there in prayer? He was what? Striving against sin. He was keeping his will... In line with the Father's will. He was doing it in prayer. See that? And he's our example. If you want to surrender to the will of God, you're going to have to do it in prayer. Not when you come to the fork in the road. You have to do it before you get to the fork. What is he doing? He's resisting the temptation to sin. See, one step out of the will of the Father is sin. He's resisting that temptation. Notice verse 45. Here, this is Luke 22:45. When he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples. He found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So, where do you surrender to the will of God? Where do you resist temptation? You do it in where? In prayer. And then the last one, and then we'll close. The last one is uh, prayer prepares us to walk in the miraculous on top of the turbulent situations of life. How many of you would like to walk above the turbulent situations of life? Well, here's how you do it. Look at this. We'll close right here. Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to what? To pray. I mean, that's the answer to all these, right? Pray, pray, 
Easy test here today. What's the answer to the, every question on the test? Pray. So he sends the multitudes away. Jesus goes up on the mountain by himself to pray. Thank God for corporate prayer. Thank God for corporate prayer. Thank God for corporate prayer. But there's some times you just need to get away by yourself. And I'll tell you the truth about it. If you'll spend time by yourself in prayer, when you do come together with a group of other believers, it'll be all that much more strong. Did you get what I just said? I, over the many years, I've prayed with, with groups of people that they hadn't been spending their time alone. And you get together with them and it's just, uh, it's just not the same kind of power. But I tell you what, you get together with people who have been spending time alone. And then you come as a group. I tell you what, it punches it, <laughs> punches it up to warp nine. You know what I mean? So he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, so the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the walking on the water, walking on the sea. Prayer prepares us to walk in the miraculous on top of turbulent situations. You see that? Can you say amen to that? Jesus came walking in the miraculous on 